This is Town Square Sunday On Demand. And now, 1420 WBSM's Jim Phillips. Jack Spillane, columnist for the New Bedford Light online newspaper, joins us again this week with some observations on the news. Hello, Jack. It's good to see you again. Good to see you, Jim. The Light this week hosted an online chat about the Star Store with community members uh, commenting on the decision to relocate the College of Visual and Performing Arts to the Dartmouth campus and to a former Bed Bath & Beyond store uh, uh, for a commercial space off Route 6. Any ideas from the chat that uh, well, willing to share on what's well, it was interesting. We had um, former Mayor Scott Lang and uh, former Mayor John Bullard as yeah. two of our panelists. We had Fallon Navarro, the leader of the student movement um, at the Star Store. And we had um, someone who you may know, Richard Walliger, a sure. former city planner in yeah. New Bedford. And they were interesting because, um, as you know, some of the um, elected officials have um, not been the biggest fans of myself, perhaps, because I've criticized them for what happened at the Star Store. So we thought we'd reach back to get some people who were out of office, and they were wonderful. Um, uh, Mayor uh, Bullard said that it, it was just astonishing that the um, uh, university itself, which is supposed to protect the art students, ended up putting them in a strip mall where they couldn't even get in to go to the classes. So they were they were the victims of the university. I thought that was powerful stuff, and Mayor Lang said that the situation with the Star Store is the result of a succession of chancellors at UMass Dartmouth who didn't stay very long and who, I think I want to use his exact word, um, uh, were, uh, um, I can't remember, but, but, but just were rigid in their thinking and could not adopt to the situation. Right. Uh, okay, uh, but um, those are all interesting comments, but a path to somehow getting it back is what I'm wondering about. Uh, Mayor Mitchell and Senator Montigny gone on record stating that the UMass system should reimburse tuition to students unhappy with the uh, uh, new CVPA program. Any chance that will happen? It does not look like it. Um, uh, Governor Healy said she would try to get the students a meeting with the chancellor. The chancellor has not deigned to meet with them yet. He did send them the provost for a very brief meeting, and they said at that meeting the provost offered to extend the withdrawal period so anybody who didn't like the situation could withdraw from UMass um, without penalty, but they would made no offer of giving their tuition back. You can't make it up, Jim. No, you can't make it up. So the governor has at least touched base on this then. Well, the governor was sandbagged by the students. They went up to um, an appearance in the Jim and Marjorie show at Boston Public Library. Yeah. I guess Jim and Marjorie go on the road from time to time. Uh, yeah, every and, Friday. And um, so the students went there, and they sat in the audience, and when it came time for the audience questions, they said to the governor, Governor Healy, we're down here in, in, in Dartmouth, Massachusetts, in New Bedford, Massachusetts. You know, we've been thrown out of our school. We want to meet with the chancellor. He won't meet with us. And he still has not met with them. Okay, so she did write a letter, though. She said she would look into the matter. She was very, she was very typical Healy. She was kind of, kind of unequivocal. Yeah. She said she would look into the matter in that um, she would try to get them a meeting. It's been six weeks. Practically no word from her. Practically very, no word. Very little. I, I really think, Jim, and uh, I think uh, 
statement of Chris, Chris Markey, who I don't agree with on much about it, as the only one who has really said it's over. The university does not want to be in New Bedford. Uh, the governor supposedly has been trying to work out a deal with UMass uh, Building Authority and Senator Montigny for two months now. I don't know how long it takes to get a deal to get them back into the star store. It does not look like it's going to happen. I think there's some talk right now about a cooperative in the building, an artist cooperative, maybe to get the galleries. UMass would run the galleries back in the um, Star Store, but but the, the, I have talked to faculty over there. They didn't like being in New Bedford to, to begin with. They don't see um, the art school as, as, as getting them a lot of students, and they don't even see themselves as particularly related to Southeastern Massachusetts. They're talking, we're a research university that happens to be in Dartmouth. That's what it's come to. Sounds like the horse has left the barn and the barn door has been locked. <laughs> okay. Look, another low turnout primary election, preliminary election in New Bedford. You think voters placing uh, Sean Burgo? Did I get his name right? Shane. Shane Burgo. I'm sorry. I apologize. You think that the voters placing Shane Burgo in the number two spot in the counselor at large race was a big surprise? It was to me. Um, there have been some talk that because of his sponsorship of the rent stabilization proposal that um, the, the city council changed its mind on that. First it put it on the ballot, then it took it off the ballot. Uh, some people who are, I would say, fairly conservative in their outlook were predicting he would fall off. He didn't. He has the advantage of his name now comes second on the ballot because when he was a challenger, Massachusetts law is you have to come after the incumbents the terrible, terrible law. If they wanted to change anything about New Bedford government, they should change that, in my opinion. But yep. um, he did well. Well, um, yeah, and I think he's. That's the that's a people issue. That's the that's the masses issue. He wants to do something to control what thousands of New Bedford residents are complaining about. Sixty-one percent of the households in New Bedford are renters. There you go. And so. These people who really were just very vocal, saying that this is an in, uh, interference with my property rights, this is an uh, interference of big government, you know, and I think Councilor Burgo said he was not going to do the rigid rent control that we've seen in places like Cambridge and sure. New York City, where it's very difficult for landlords to raise rent at all. He was trying to get something more reasonable, but some people just are philosophically against the idea. Yeah, I, I think he's got the people behind him and on that issue, and it showed in the preliminary election. Yeah. Uh, we'll see how the final turns yeah, out. Yeah, I, mean, I think that they're also, the council has had a hard year, some of the long-term incumbents. I think the employee pay raise, the uh, putting putting three questions on the ballot all at once, taking them off at the next meeting. I think there's been some frustration with some of the long-term councilors. You saw Councilor Gomes go from, I think, second to the, the third, uh, are certainly not topping the ballot the way he used to. Yep. You saw uh, Councillor Gomes, I mean, Morad go down to fourth, Connie go to fifth. And challengers are close. And Scott Lima and Devin Burns, the uh, newcomer owner of Destination Soups, are close on their heels. Um, I know you also feel that people raising a fuss about the low turnout, 6%, uh, should understand this is really the new normal for elections. Yeah, so I think that there is a lot of wringing of hands when it comes to New Bedford elections. 
but the same people don't wring their hands when it comes to the suburban elections. There's no doubt that preliminary elections, primary elections, are particularly low. But in my column, I pointed out that the last New Bedford election, which was a, a full uh, final election in November, it was not a mayoral uh, race, they had a 10.7% turnout. Over in Dartmouth, you only had 12.8% for the Springtown election this year. And in Fairhaven, which was very contentious because they had an override, you had 13.8% in the spring election. So I think that the numbers are, are pretty low all around. And I think that that is a reflection on the decline of, of the media, um, all the options that people don't have to ever watch news anymore, and many people don't. Um, but I, 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 I do get a little tired of people saying that New Bedford has a particular problem with turnout. It would be nice, Jack, if more than 6% of the voters took a few minutes out of their day to go vote. Preliminary election, and New Bedford's voter, New Bedford is said to have 57,000 registered voters. Yeah. I don't think New Bedford has 57,000 no, registered I think it's voters. way over. I think they don't, they're not, for whatever reason, able to call those voter lists uh, frequently enough. Yeah. And so, yes, they're saying it's 6%, but I, th I think it's probably more like 10, 12%, which also is not good. But This is Town Square Sunday. I'm Jim Phillips. My guest is Jack Spillane, columnist for the New Bedford Light. You can read Jack's work and much more at newbedfordlight.org. One other election note, it appears that former Ward 5 counselor uh, Scott Lima has a real chance to win a seat as counselor at large. He's he, right there. He did. He he finished in sixth place, and I think he was something like um, I don't. I, I'm going to say something like 37 votes yeah, behind less Connie than 100 and, for sure. and 60 something votes behind Morad. Yeah. That's a chance. Um, Devin Burns finished 200 and something behind the two of them. I think both those candidates have a chance. Now I do think that the councilors who finished low have been warned, and they'll be active in the final election. Talk radio has been loaded, loaded this week with callers discussing migrants being housed in motels in our area. They're in Dartmouth, Fairhaven, um, down the Cape. Conservatives are angry. Liberals say these people need help and we should help them. Where do we draw the line here? Uh, the state is spending a lot of money to house these folks. Yeah, I... I really, you might be surprised, as progressive as I am, I don't like the idea of the state housing um, the migrants. I remember my grandmother, my Irish grandmother, sponsoring people when they came from Ireland. I do think that they need to allow them to work. They're already here. They need to allow them to work. I was surprised. I went to the protest on Saturday, and there were, now I went early. I was told it was different later. But when I was there at about quarter past nine, 15 minutes after the protest be began, the people in favor of the immigrants was far larger than the people opposed to the immigrants. There were about 50 uh, people in favor of them, including three Catholic priests from both Fairhaven parishes, St. Joseph's and St. Mary's, and Sacred Heart um, Home. And then there were about 15 people uh, uh, doing the protest. I heard that um, around 11.30, there was about 35 of each, so maybe it wasn't the same, but I wasn't even aware that there was a pro-immigrant, pro... They weren't saying that they were pro-people coming illegally, but they were uh, pro-treating them humanely that they're here. And I think, to be fair, some of these opponents 
uh, at least on the radio, was saying uh, uh, they, they were there. They were angry at the town for not publicizing this enough, for not talking about it beforehand, before saying, hey, the state is going to come in and do this. Uh, I don't know if they had prior warning or not, but uh, that's what some of the opponents were saying. Well, they, uh, ought to, they ought to be protesting at town hall then and not yeah, at, at I, w- I at would the, say at, at, uh, at the motel, Seaport yeah. Inn. I was told that, um, and this is as of Saturday, there was only one family that had arrived so far, and they were from Guatemala. Uh, uh, it was interesting. Um, you know, there are thousands of undocumented Guatemalans across the river in New Bedford. you think that they could work a situation the way my grandmother did with the immigrants from Ireland, but... Yeah. but uh, that's not what's going on. No, that's not is what's going on. Uh, we are spending a lot of money to house these folks. We are spending billions in military aid to uh, Ukraine, millions more to help Israel, I'm sure, which was brutally attacked by uh, Hamas uh, last weekend. Uh, migrants are in motels and hotels all across the country uh, and the Commonwealth. Um, at some point, we have to say stop, or just do we just keep printing money here? Because there's a lot of money that's being spent. Well, I don't think we should be paying for the their housing, but I do think that, as far as I can see, the employers still want them in in jobs like the seafood houses and the uh, sure landscaping, do. roofing. What I, has been explained to me is that the quotas for, from Central America are very low. The quotas for Northern Europe are much higher and that we just simply need to adjust the quotas. But I will say that the Democrats and the Republicans have had 30 years to come up with a, a compromise that both sides can live with, and both sides want to prevail 100%, and we have been living in divided government for a while now, and neither side has the great enough numbers to exercise their will. So to my mind, that means the public wants you to compromise. And, uh, you know, the, the, this whole immigration situation has been going on for way too long. It's the fault of both Democrats and Republicans. And, uh, you know, it's time for the craziness to end and cooler heads to prevail and get going because uh, th- th- this is not working. It's no, not working. It, what we have now is clearly not working. Yeah. You know how long people are going to remain in those motels? Is it open-ended? That's a good question. You know, I think the problem is that they are not allowed to work as long as they are in illegal status. Now, we know that many people who are in illegal status do work, and they work through phony green cards and phony... um, What they do is they go to the temp agencies. The temp agencies take the risk. They accept these phony green cards, and then you end up with the larger corporate-type employers employing them. And... Anybody who thinks they don't isn't paying attention. That's right. Well, all right, Jack, we haven't solved anything today, but we still keep talking about it. Have a good time talking. Yeah, we do. Thanks to Jack Spillane, columnist for the New Bedford Light online newspaper. The next time we talk, the final election will be just around the corner. Town Square Sunday will return in just a moment.